Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Purpose Made Podcast. We are here to inspire positive change in our post-pandemic global society. Talking to business leaders around the globe, discussing the highs, lows and challenges they've experienced. Our hosts, Neil Bestford and Peter Bell, created Purpose Made in 2021 during the height of the pandemic, combining their passion for people, culture and transformational change. They sit down with business leaders and ask, what does the future look like? Don't forget to click subscribe to hear all the latest news and views on our changed global society. Hello and welcome back to the Purpose Made podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting to Nicholas Epert, founder of the award-winning game studio Watcher Games. Nicholas began his career in games back in the late 1980s, working on strategic simulators such as Advanced Dungeons and Dragons for the Amiga. Nicholas has spent over 13 years working for Ubisoft on titles such as Far Cry, Assassin's Creed and Red Steel. More recently, Nicholas founded Watcher Games in 2019. Watcher are based in Montreal and create collaborative games for online communities and platforms such as Twitch. Titles such as Sea Raiders, a pirate-themed collaborative game exclusively on Twitch. We're really, really excited to be chatting to Nicholas today and to share his knowledge and expertise with you. We do hope you enjoy. Hey, Nicholas, how are you? I'm great, Peter. Thanks. Yeah, so before we dive into things, it might be good just to give a quick heads up as to who you are, your career to date, and also the exciting work you're doing down at Watch Your Games. Great. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a game developer, like I like to uh, to, to say it. I started uh, developing games in uh, 86 or 85 Last century, yes, I know. And uh, first jobs were like porting games from a PC to the Amiga computer, a big computer in Europe. So we did job like to port the famous uh, SSI Pool of uh, Radiance uh, Dungeons & Dragons games from the PC to the Amiga. Lots of learning there. They, they had a super cool engine. Uh, that's all they did, like this series of uh, Golden Box uh, games. After that, I... Continued to do the development and uh, moved a, a bit also toward design, uh, working on very big uh, French companies like uh, Loriciel, which was on the, one of the big trees in France. So it was like Loriciel, Ubisoft, and Infogram. So we did a lot of uh, games on the Genesis and uh, Super Nintendo, programming the assembly language on those uh, crazy machines. A lot of learnings and uh, really cool. And we even did uh, like some Jaguar development too. <laughs> So uh, really crazy stuff. Then I stayed in France in uh, working on a licensed game like Planet of the Apes on PlayStation 1, uh, 
and stuff like that. And uh, more recently, I moved to Canada to work at uh, Ubisoft, where I did like uh, 12 years of uh, of work and uh, was focused uh, mainly on uh, design stuff and technical stuff. So I worked on brands like uh, Far Cry. I had the luck to be uh, uh, to witness the start of Assassin's Creed uh, for a few months uh, here in Montreal. And then I moved back to uh, France to uh, do a, a Wii launch game which we did with uh, Nintendo of Japan. So I, uh, we worked with Nintendo of Japan design teams, a great experience, really amazing. Then I moved back doing free-to-play and mobile games in Montreal, Canada for Ubisoft, their first uh, mobile game and first uh, free-to-play game. And I spent a lot of time trying to improve uh, design processes and, uh, and production design strategies to move faster in conception phases of games. So did a lot of research on that. And recently, I created a small uh, company to work on uh, massively interactive uh, streaming games. Nice. No, you've done some amazing work. Like, obviously, let's talk, chat about the difference between the large-scale studio production versus kind of the work that you're doing at Watcher, where it's, it's smaller but equally on a, on a live streaming platform. Uh, it's For sure, it's a big difference. The main difference, the obviously, the support you get you have to be way more efficient uh, developing and uh, designing because uh, there is nobody on your back uh, available to help you at the beginning. So you have to really think differently. I was lucky enough that uh, at Ubisoft, I was running a super small teams in the end, uh, working on uh, innovative stuff. So I already had that uh, way of working, but it's not really a problem because at the beginning, you want to be small and nimble and uh, make sure that the, the team that you have is like uh, a team of doers. What's been the most influential, like, say, top three games that have influenced your kind of ideas around games production and your visions surrounding the games that you want to produce? Uh, influential games. Ah, you know, it's the games that you play when you were young. Definitely uh, Ultima 2 by Richard Garriott is a big... I mean, when I, I used to program on the Apple II and when I saw that game, I was like amazed that, oh, even that game is possible on, the, on such a machine. And uh, the, the the whole scenario, the world was like uh, eye opening for me. After that, I think the it's when I saw the the Amiga computer in Europe first time in a, in an expo somewhere. I was like, wow, you know, the whole thing with deluxe paint, uh, the the whole uh, colors and animation and sound. It was like, okay, this is really like the next step. So that was really, and that's where we did a lot of programming uh, with my group of uh, of uh, friends. So that's the biggest. Uh, and game-wise, uh, it's not even a, a computer game that had a lot of influence on uh, how I'm thinking about the service game. It's a, it's a card game, actually. It's the, the trading card game Magic. And because there is so much to learn from that type of game to service games. And uh, in fact, uh, we even invited uh, Richard Garriott, the creator of Magic at Ubisoft, to do some workshops with us. Super nice guy. And the way they, they saw about that game and how they made it evolve for 25 years now, it's like really like a service. And there is, in fact, so much uh, to learn from there. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, you can see a lot of that in some of the games that Ubisoft has produced over the years in the, in the detail and the, and the, the whole concepts behind the likes of Assassin's Creed, for example. There's a lot in there as well. Yeah, yeah. There are, at Ubisoft, we had a lot of uh, super cool processes to build worlds and stuff like that that were really rationalized. That was also a big learning for me. 
Nice. And I see you've won an award as well recently. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that, about what that award is? Yeah, yeah. Sure. We are quite proud of this one because it's an award for innovative games uh, uh, made here in uh, Montreal by the... the a local if you want uh, but uh, it's Eidos uh, Sherbrooke which is a spin-off studio from uh, Eidos uh, which is part of Square Enix now and uh, they, they created a, a studio and now a, a fund to, uh, to to push innovative games because that's their focus and they, so they built that award with the La Guild which is a big organization of uh, independent developers there in, uh, in Montreal and uh, so we won this one and uh, for the best innovative game that's cool uh, Plus, there is some money attached to it, but uh, it's uh, it's also a big network of people uh, which will be able to use to move forward in uh, how to use machine learning in what we are doing, how to think about the monetization models, the psychology of gamers, etc. So we have access to uh, to uh, mentors and specialists, and that will be a great help. One of the things that may be relevant to our audience is before we start talking about the pandemic and how it's affected you, like traditional ways of building games, um, from your experience, how did that used to take place versus how it's kind of taken place now because of the pandemic? It's a big question, but in small teams or big teams, often the best ideas, they happen like uh, on an impromptu moment, like uh, it could be in the kitchen of the company, it could be at a restaurant, it could be anywhere outside of the company and uh, even on big projects, it happens like that. So uh, that that pattern uh, did not disappear. In fact, it just it takes way more millions of dollars to make it uh, happen. It's a bit different, maybe in mobile, where uh, like there are like uh, super efficient ways of uh, creating uh, mobile games, and uh, particularly the ones where you are analytics based. But uh, in general, for games, uh, the the pattern has not changed that much. It's just that it's it can be slower or bigger. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm noticing, anyways, from at least the, the titles that are being released at the moment, a lot of them are being pushed back because of obviously the the expectations and when they were due to be delivered versus what happened with regards to the pandemic. People, a lot of people working from remotely in different locations and that's having a big impact, especially for some of the, the larger franchises. What's your opinion on, on that really? Uh, larger franchises, I'm, I'm sure they're, like, they pushed to ship whatever they were doing uh, before the pandemic uh, hit and uh, they adjusted uh, to... Uh, and they ship the, the, the latest games, but I don't know exactly, but uh, I'm sure this year some games will be pushed back because of the, in those big size, size teams, you need to organize yourself and it's like a huge work to be done. Whereas, you know, we are very small, so it was easy. Yeah. It's never easy, but it was easier to think about new strategies because uh, I, I did not have like 10,000 people to pay. I did not have like a thousand managers to manage and stuff like that. So plus the fact that like the growth is is mainly on on mobile and uh, and switch maybe. So maybe for big companies uh, on the big new consoles where you know when there is a big cycle like this one, you have to adjust your technology and the the audience we like we we want like the bigger better visuals uh, always like <laughs> faster and stuff like that. So I'm sure there will be some uh, some delays, and uh, we'll see because uh, each virtual E3 is that the right at the corner now. We'll see. It will be interesting to see uh, actually how many big games uh, ship this year, or which one uh, will be pushed back because you know there are already so many games also on the market. Yeah, no, and uh, I know if you are playing, I don't know on your Switch, uh, your time is limited, and uh, so do you have time to uh, go back play on your PlayStation Five or? Uh, or Xbox Series X uh, that much. It's not it's not super uh, simple, but mobile definitely is, is growing like it's crazy. Yeah, it's true because like from 
looking at an industry perspective, the games industry has boomed naturally over the pandemic. More people have been at home. Accessibility to whether it's free to play or mobile or more traditionally console, there's a lot more availability, I would say. But kind of looking at now with regards to players, that's definitely evolving with regards to what their desires and wants are, really. So what's your view on on the changing landscape? If an example is the, the Game Pass on Xbox. I mean, when you have Game Pass, Game Pass at home, if you have available time because of the pandemic, you have already a library of, I don't know, 200 or 300 games to pick from. I use it professionally to check games that uh, I would never buy uh, <laughs> another way, but it's crazy the amount of content that you have now like, between the big uh, free-to-play games uh, and uh, super cool indie stuff that has been uh, curated by uh, the publisher plus Microsoft. Everything there is like uh, quite good. So, and even remaster stuff is, uh, is super interesting. So, uh, there is so much content there that it seems like tough to, uh, to enter or start something now to say, okay, I will ship in that environment something new and different. Yeah. I think the thing that maybe that our listeners aren't aware of is when a game's produced, it goes through generally like a game development life cycle where there's a series of sign off points or, or checkpoints that has to go through in order for it to be kind of released and published. And one of the difficult points that has come within the games industry is the whole QA process that falls at the end, because largely a lot of games, uh, QA processes, at least nowadays, are kind of used by third parties and taken into the impacts of COVID. You know, you mentioned that um, a lot of ideas and thoughts are generated around like where people eat or where people gather and with people kind of away and working remotely and here, there and everywhere, it's proving quite difficult for the whole game development life cycle and game development cycle to, to flow as it usually does. Ah, it's, it's, it's funny because uh, right now I'm operating from home and you know, there is so much that you can do at home. It's cool when you program because uh, you have like, so you're in a quiet zone and uh, you can like uh, do long stretch of programming, but you need those moments where you share with the rest of the team or uh, random people that uh, you trust. And uh, those moments, you cannot plan for them. You know, there is no such thing as, okay, let's be creative on a Thursday morning at uh, nine. It does not happen. You have to maintain a flow and that flow has been broken. And right now I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways of like interactive more with my uh, co-workers or the, the circle of people I trust because I need that. There is so much you can do to finish stuff that you were doing or, or doing the next iteration or something, but you need that human exchange that happens, you know, in front of Photoshop or in front of your game engine or, or in front of something else playing together or in front of the whiteboard. You need the whiteboard stuff. Like virtual whiteboards, I use them. It's cool. But you are missing that, you know, when you are like with coworkers that you know and trust, it's important, and who speak generally the same language than you. Because you know that acquaintances, like where you, you can say, okay, you know what I mean. And uh, we actually know what we mean. And so you can move super fast on super complex uh, ideas. And that's super hard to reproduce with uh, like uh, tools, like uh, remote tools, like uh, Zoom or Skype or whatever, because you will, you lose that physical connection, uh, like the organic stuff, you, you need it at some point. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What have you kind of put into place to kind of address that at the moment, or is it just a case of trying for the time being before kind of hopefully the pandemic abates and then people can kind of Alors, go? Us, we are lucky because uh, we are lucky. Uh, as we do a game that is uh, running on Twitch for streamers and for audiences, every week we force ourselves to do a live play test with a, a streamer, or a new one or an old one, whatever. But uh, that way we get first-hand uh, organic uh, feedback at least uh, uh, users' uh, feedback. That helps us a lot. But we do that because we are small, because we can go super fast, and we get a lot out of it. It's it's an effort that we had uh, to, to, to take. But uh, in the end, that we are lucky with our product because we don't need to wait for one year or two years to uh, actually get feedback from outside or like a big build, a big demo. There is no concept of big demo, so we are lucky. And again, I'm, uh, I'm uh, trying to figure out ways to... Uh, like be with at least one other person in our small office at least twice a week now. I gather so many ideas, so many uh, design stuff, so much code, uh, so much assets that I need that uh, that brainstorming environment again. And I will set up maybe uh, days together where we are at the office, but only two people uh, so that we can eat together and sit together in front of uh, computers and elsewhere. Because at some point being at home, I don't know about you, but... Uh, <laughs> You feel like the ground out there. Yeah. It's 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 not always super cool to be at home. So I think that the balance, I think, is is what people are kind of looking for. At least for who we've spoke to so far, the balance and the ability to kind of have the option. But yeah, like if you work at home all the time, it does become same old, same old. Especially you know if you're working from the same part of your house or whatever, it's yeah. it's quite difficult at times. I think one of the things that must be troubling and at least difficult is you, you're relatively new. I know you, you've, you set up Watch Your Games in 2019, is that right? So culturally, how do you go about addressing a, a culture of, and build a culture within a, a new company? Because when you see larger, say like EA, for example, they've just acquired Codemaster. So that whole integration process, 
that's going to be quite difficult. So what's the challenges been? What's been the biggest learnings? We are super small, so it's it's maybe easier on some aspects, but yet I have to set up a, a culture and it takes an additional effort. You know, uh, sometimes you, you make calls where you don't need actually need them for work, but you need them to share with the real humans. Else you stay uh, in Slack and Slack, you know, there is this text barrier. So even at our level, which is super small, I had to make the effort. And so it, it's draining me some energy that I could use, uh, I don't know, designing new stuff, uh, doing uh, some investors research or stuff like that. But uh, so I need that. And uh, I know people who are creating uh, uh, bigger teams and where they actually hire people who they never met. Because at least the people I have in my team, I met them. Yeah. And they are in my neighborhood. So, uh, I can, you know, when the weather is uh, okay, I uh, take my bike and I bike there. We take, uh, we grab a coffee outside. And at least there is, uh, and I, I make that uh, happen. But I know uh, studios, they are, they are bringing like maybe teams of 20 or 30 with people they never met in person and who might be in other countries waiting for visas. And there you, 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 you feel that it's super hard because... Uh, you know, uh, that uh, to integrate or at least to synchronize with somebody, you need to be at some point in the same place. And uh, you need to have like beers at the pub at some point, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, alcohol is not the solution, but you get the idea. You need to at some point go crazy with your co-workers to, to, to see if you are in sync uh, in real life or in, at least in the attitude or the way of thinking about certain things. And uh, I, I, I feel for them, I, and it will be a big hurdle because, you know, creating a core team, that's the most difficult part of the game industry. Like actually the five or six people who are producers, I don't know, creative directors, lead programmers, lead designers, uh, artistic directors, or whatever, depending on your game. Those five or six people, if they never met, that will be very, very tough because those are the people who are like uh, driving the boat. And uh, if they are not very well synchronized or know very well each other, like founders in a, in a startup, that will be uh, very hard to do. Yeah, like for us, for example, we've we've met a few times now, but we've found it purpose made having never met one another. Still, we're, that whole get together and have a beer and the social aspect is is important, and it, it, it's so yeah, totally relating what what you're saying. Looking at your main titles are largely on, on the likes of Twitch and freely available for people. Kind of what, what was the, what was your motives to go that direction rather than kind of a, a traditional AAA title? I, like I said, I have this mindset of being a game developer and I, I like to do new types of games. So it's super dangerous, won't make me rich, but <laughs> I like the I like the challenge of creating new stuff. That's where I feel at ease. Uh, like I said, I spent like many years. Uh, Studying that aspect of like how oh, to uh, operate in complex environments, how oh, uh, to really think about innovation, how oh, to uh, present it, work, uh, what is the team, etc. So that's what I like to do intrinsically. I like Twitch because uh, one of the topics I like to explore is like uh, human groups behaviors. And if there is a place where there are like live human groups, it's on Twitch right now. And uh, in fact, the, the game is about uh, human behaviors and uh, like... Uh, tragedy of the commons and uh, how we behave in groups, etc. So that's why we I chose that uh, that technology. And uh, also because we can invent new interactions. So I, I like the, the danger of... Uh, it's it's back uh, like, uh, like back to the Amiga, you know, when those computers arrived in, the, in Europe, 
like uh, everything was possible and uh, you could invent a lot of uh, new new things so I, I like that that's why I make video games so uh, that's why and but also about the topic like say group behaviors and human behaviors that's something that fascinates me and uh, I study a lot so that's why I'm doing that so yeah it's a pirate game but uh, behind it's uh, it's about how we behave together how we share stuff etc looking more towards the future I would say We've talked a little bit about the challenges of the pandemic from uh, getting people together and the creation of a game. What's your view for the industry as a whole going forward? I, the, the, I was thinking about it this morning and it's, in a way, it's a, it's a forced experiment, like working from home. And, you know, all the companies were like, ah, yeah, we want people to work from home, quality of life, etc. Now, okay, let's do it. <laughs> But when you talk to people who are like really working from home from a long time, they, they let you know that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because it's not for everybody. And uh, in my, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, the people I know, it's, it's 50-50. Like people really enjoy it and say, okay, uh, I can be more efficient. And those are people who are like, like more confident and uh, they, they have maybe uh, more structures work to do and uh, they already have ways to manage their life. And other people, they, they, they need that daily routine of uh, going uh, somewhere else, meeting other people, uh, grabbing a coffee together, start of the day, end of the day, etc. Because that's the way they are more efficient. So it's not for everybody. That's what uh, I see. And so the, I don't see, you know, uh, like going all work from home or all back in the office. And from what I gather from companies in, in Montreal, they, they are trying to arrange ways to uh, do uh, maybe a third of the time uh, at home and see how it goes. Because already doing that, uh, will it's a large project to change the studio uh, structure, culture, and uh, even tools to have that, uh, to make that happen. The cool thing is that you can, uh, like some people who start to realize that they were in prison in big companies <laughs> and see that they can work with uh, other people, uh, maybe have uh, two or three clients or work with two or three companies. Maybe companies won't allow for that because uh, the, the resources are, are like super tight. But uh, for some people, it will be like some, something that reveals the, the, the maybe the way they should work, in fact. And uh, they were maybe working in those big companies out of comfort. But uh, for the majority, uh, you know, you, we need humans, uh, this, uh, this, this flow, this, uh, this routine. Even if you are like uh, independent, you need that at some point. You need to go to the to the coffee uh, shop and uh, grab a coffee, discuss five minutes with polonising uh, the coffee shop. And you, it's it won't be black or white, but uh, the, it will take time for companies to adjust and particularly uh, to create new games because uh, then the, the whole processes will have to be changed again. And already it took time to set up them. So. I think that what you said about black and white, it's true because there are companies out there that are trying to go down the route of black and white and some saying it's, you know, people are going to be back in the office full time, 100%, 9 till 5, 37.5 hours a week. And then others say, well, no, actually you can work at home and it's going to be a shift from a monitoring of time to a monitoring of performance, um, which I, I would agree with on the time versus performance thing. Most people, at least the ones that we speak to, they want the balance in between. They want that kind of social interaction, but equally they want the freedom to operate when, if you've got to sit back and concentrate, you want that quiet zone, you have that option available to you. Or if you, you, if you need, like you mentioned before, like a whiteboard environment where you need to do some uh, brainstorming or ideas generation or whatever, um, you want that 
freedom to do so in a collaborative fashion as well. So I think there are going to be some challenges going forward, you know, especially in the games industry, because so much of the revenue, especially for the larger firms, are, are based on the key known franchises. And like just out of your experience what's your view on franchises going forward do you think it's something that we're going to see more and more call of duties more and more fifas or do you think maybe the demand is going to drop away and go what's your view on that you know it's always hard to predict the industry but there is one big trend is the game as services or games are uh, as uh, we call it a spectacle or uh, entertainment at large And where, in fact, uh, some franchise, franchises are making a comeback like uh, Star Wars or Marvel or stuff like that because that's a way to uh, push games to a wider audience. And if you look at, uh, at you know, I don't know, FIFA or Call of Duty, Warzone or stuff like that, you play, yes, you play those, but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's the game by itself. The service is very good and it consumes a lot of time. So creating new brands, And uh, if you are talking brands like a bi as big as Call of Duty or FIFA, I mean, FIFA, is, it's a game design that has been out for 200 years uh, and tuned for 200 years. So it's, it will be hard to catch up with that one, you know. <laughs> But and, and look at uh, Fortnite. It's like a meta brand. Yeah. It's a brand of brands. It's like uh, running brands together. And the, the time is limited. So it's launching a big new uh, you know uh, now I'm super suspicious when I see uh, people announcing okay we will be creating the next big IP Whew, good luck with that plus as there are like so many opportunities to try crazy stuff on mobile or uh, I don't know on uh, VR AR uh, or what we do on uh, on Twitch probably that the next big IPs will come from somewhere else and, and I know people who bought like PS5s or Xbox who don't play them. They bought just, just them because they, they, they as like uh, they had the last one, they, they bought a new one just in case, you know. Yeah. But uh, the fact is that they are playing on their, their phone or uh, watching uh, stuff on Twitch or playing on the Switch. So I own an Xbox Series X. It's super cool. But, you know, it's a continuity of, uh, it's a better Xbox. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Warzone loads super fast. So that's super cool because I can play with my friends faster. Yes, uh, GTA 5, uh, which is like 10 years old now or something like that, loads instantaneously so I can play it more. So that's super cool. But in the end, the, it's like, you know, you're at the end of the curve of innovation there. Yeah. Like uh, 100 hertz is a, it's a bit better than 80 hertz, but it's not like uh, game changing. So uh, probably that uh, new brands will arrive from... Some, well, look at uh, like uh, the, the biggest brands are like uh, Fortnite or PUBG or whatever. And they came from the side. They came from the modding scene. Like if you look at PUBG, so uh, it's, it's, it will come from somewhere else. I think the thing is that the games industry is often looked at as being a trend-setting industry. So if you kind of look at like Assassin's Creed, for example, signing a, a deal with Netflix to bring out new series on Netflix, or how like a lot of games, I know Need for Speed had a, had a crack at making a movie. Different industries kind of look at these brands as being easy options to kind of get involved in and support. And it's good with regards to they can go into different industry, but it, it comes down to the same principle that you're only as strong as your brand. And, you know, your brand is very much your reputation. And Yeah, look at uh, like uh, some Japanese companies who were like a bit down uh, like 10 years ago. They, they are making a big comeback because of the brands. 
Like uh, suddenly, uh, Capcom is hot again uh, because of the brands, the, the historic brands. The oldest ones are coming back because of a generational, uh, the next generation of uh, kids uh, and parents who were playing a Street Fighter and passing the Street Fighter thing to their their, their kids. Suddenly, the, the 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 landscape is quite full, huh? and the biggest successes, if you look, are, are now in mobile. It's I know that from a conversion stance, you, you know, you've got. Free to play has played a massive impact in in, in that, and also um, the accessibility with regards to nearly everybody has a mobile, but not nearly everybody has a console. So that's very much true. One of the things I'm interested in as well is kind of what are your views for watcher games? What what do you want to do in, in the next couple of like say three to five years ahead? What's your what's your vision? Three to five is a long time in video games, but. Yeah. Uh, Now we, we are aiming to uh, to build the first the first game with the vision that we have, like really like uh, do community games where uh, it's all about like uh, it's it's nearly a tool that we give to streamers to entertain their audience. Unique abilities for the audience to uh, interact directly with the streamers, much like when you are at a concert where you are you want to be on, on the front row and you want to see the the singers or or, or the, the the entertainers. There, I feel there is something to do because there is, a, you know, the, an audience of people who are live, and in live you can do stuff that you cannot do in a usual game, where there is a progression, a scenario, or a, or a loop. And you know, when we pitch our game, now we explain that we are doing like a theme park, like it's the Disneyland of uh, pirates. And uh, and so there is no loop, there is no best, uh, there is no usual scenario. It's more like uh, improvisation uh, tools for the streamers. That's really what we are uh, we are exploring, and uh, and we feel there is something there where uh, the, the the game is uh, in an area where a world where people meet, do crazy stuff together uh, for fun and socializing. They, they tip the the streamers so that they can make a living out of this. And the cool thing with that that we have is that every stream is like a world, and then uh, suddenly uh, Twitch becomes like a, a metaverse for us, where all the streams together are connected by your profiles and you can move between them like as mini worlds where you can uh, immigrate in real time. So that's that's what exciting. So that's what we are working on. It's it's building mini Disneylands if you want. Where we integrate new uh, gameplays or uh, cool things to do, uh, like uh, small islands of gameplay. You know, it's it's a bit like a band where you add songs. The more tours you do, the more songs you have, like our successes, and suddenly your playlist is uh, is different uh, in between uh, tours and sometimes in between cities. I think it's behavior, isn't it? At the end of the day, like you started your career in the in the eighties. I was born in nineteen eighty two, and like I've grown up throughout my life with games and I've always had them as part they, they kind of become part of a social norm I, I would say so and and with that goes changing behaviors and changing changing patterns and if people haven't taken a look at Twitch before it's something worthwhile looking at because it's it's just a very very interesting platform that there's a lot going on on there it's just yet another sh- showcase of how the games industry is evolving with society and that's very much something that we were interested in with regards to the, the shift in societal norms and COVID very much being the trigger. Like we've, we've hit that period where people are being enforced to work at home and um, going into the periods of lockdown and totally changing the, the social norms, their ability to interact with one another. So the games industry is now kind of utilizing that through various different forms um, and Twitch being one of them. So. No, yeah, yeah, but, uh, we developed so many, so much stuff in the game industry, like to, to have, you interact with worlds 
that's something that can be applied in many uh, many areas now. So, uh, and you, like you said, you see, you see many things from the game industry uh, permeating in other areas uh, because uh, iterating on it, uh, we discovered so much stuff. We know so much stuff. When you talk to Hollywood, they are jealous of what we know about engagement, interaction, and uh, stuff like that. Because basically, when you play a FIFA game, you are generating a new scenario every 20 minutes. And that's the crazy part of video games. It's like every 20 minutes in a, in a Warzone game or a FIFA game, uh, there is a different scenario unfolding. And that's, uh, that's really magical because uh, at Hollywood, Hollywood they, it takes them like five years to write one scenario. Us, we generate one 20 minutes. So the, this is the crazy aspect of video games, I think. It's also the process as well. If you kind of look at what happens in Hollywood, they, you know, you can make a movie for about 100 million, but you can make a game for, you know, a reasonably decent game for about 17 to 20 million. Uh, Plus there is that. It's like, uh, you know, in, if you look at the uh, history of technology, now we are at a point where like uh, everything is now a commodity. There, there is a big uh, commoditization uh, trend now. So, uh, I mean, you can install uh, Unity for free and uh, buy... Uh, $500 of assets and uh, you have like as much uh, firepower as any big company now. So uh, suddenly uh, it's it's back to when uh, you used to go to, uh, I don't know which shop in England to buy your Amiga 500 and you had everything to create whatever you wanted. And back in the day, the community was that you could pirate software. So you would be uh, go pirating uh, Deluxe Paint and uh, pirating the assembly language stuff because, uh, in fact, they were not even in shops because they were no. <laughs> But so in the end, we are back to that square where like uh, everything is possible. now. So there is no excuse. And uh, so that's why you, you will see a tons of stuff arriving left and right because like the technology, the, the price of entry is so low. I mean, when I pay my uh, Amazon Web Services uh, invoices, I'm like, It's crazy. Like you could pay $100 for like machines that you could not even buy in your dreams. So uh, the, the, the sky is again the limit, in fact. I think that's maybe a, a good point to finish with in the fact that COVID has, has caused a lot of trauma to a lot of people in a variety of different ways. Some have lost loved ones. Some of others have lost jobs. But in amongst all of this crisis and There is so much innovation taking place and it's it's almost opening up new industries, new opportunities. And, and that's definitely something to be excited about going forward and the fact that generally in periods of crisis comes true creativity. So um, Yeah, because you know what? You, you, you can only create with pressure somewhere because we, by definition, humans are kind of lazy. And uh, so you need to have like limits to create. It could be, uh, and the constraints could be anywhere from time to uh, physical constraints, etc. But, and uh, that's a, that's a constraint that suddenly is shuffling the cards. And now we have a big deck of cards. So, and I see many people creating uh, small startups now in the video games because uh, they say, okay, the, I lost my job or uh, I, I needed to move back to that country. Or let's start something different because at least I will use the energy in a, in a different way. Exactly. That's exactly, that's probably what led Neil and I together and the fact that we just both saw a great opportunity with regards to what's available and, you know, technology as well. It's 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 helped tremendously. It's, it, it does have its sticking, sticking points in regards to that social interaction, but as to allowing people to work from wherever and kind of collaborate, it's that's one of the advantages that we do get now versus back in the day of, I guess, when you picked up an Amiga back in a, in a supermarket. Um, 
things have changed for the better I think but it's yeah. you know thank you very much it's been really interesting very much appreciate your time thank you for having me this podcast was brought to you by Purpose Made a strategic change consultancy supporting people and business to navigate the post-pandemic global society. This is what transformational change sounds like. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe and we'll see you again for the next episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.